But these are my friends. Hello, welcome to the Weekly Song Podcast. This is episode 120. I'm Roger. I'm drinking a cup of coffee. And this is the show where we write a song in the space of a week and talk about how we wrote them. Uh, Hello, Declan. Hello. How's it it going? It's going good. We are recording in the evening for the first time and I feel more tired than when we record in the morning. Why is that? Why is that a thing? Because you've had a long day. Of doing absolutely sweet F.A. (laughs) <laughs> Sweet Fanny Adams. Uh, I like these evening records. So do I, but I feel that uh, I'm in a very different headspace to where I normally am, and it's it's that like something is slightly different, so therefore it is like making me nervous, but a good kind of nervous, but it could very easily turn into a bad kind of nervous. Uh, I'm just a nervous fellow by nature. I don't know if any of the listeners have noticed by now. Uh, <laughs> that would be a really good name for a rap group if you ever started one, Nervous by Nature. I'll, I'll consider it. It wasn't an area of music I was inclined to head towards, but like now that I've got a name, I think I'll go and uh, uh, get the best of the Bristol rap scene, and I'm there as well. <laughs> um, that sounds like an awesome idea. You can rap. No, I cannot. <laughs> I you have heard either. me. You know this to be a lie. <laughs> yeah, one of our dirty secrets is... Um, on the way back from open mic nights and stuff, back when we lived in Cornwall, we would and we had to, the privacy of a car. Yeah, a car, and yeah, no one else for miles around driving along. We'd have um, hip hop beats playing, and uh, we would take turns freestyling <laughs> over it. Not because I want to say this, not because we took ourselves seriously as like we're rappers. It was just like it was fun. It was fun, and no one. If you ever invent a time machine, please do not go back and uh, find us in those weird moments, uh, because it was not much fun for anyone but us to listen to. <laughs> Good thing though is like even if someone went back in time, I don't think they could, like they could kind of watch the car go by. I guess they could like hide in the back seat of the car. Depends if they were invisible and they had really strong fingers, so they could just hold on to the outside. People who travel back in time tend to have really strong fingers. You need them to hold on to whichever time machine is throwing you about the place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, I don't think I've seen a sci-fi film in which, like, either a spaceship or a time machine or a transport or whatever it is does not operate without some version of fluctuation or throws you about the place. Like, like there is no Rolls-Royce of spacecraft. Uh, no, they're not comfortable vehicles, are they? Like, it, it's standard, like, practice for, like, whoever designs all the spaceships in all the universes to make them have really bad suspension, space suspension, so that, like, they just throw their occupants from one side to the other, and it's hilarious, and I love it. Exactly. Those those engineers, they're just laughing it up, while the, uh, you know... I was about to say astronauts. They're not really astronauts, are they? Um, oh, cosmonauts? Uh, well, Pro- no, they would be astronauts, because they... Uh, out in space. Oh, I thought you meant time travel. Um, well, I was, I, I was broadening my range to spaceships. Um, you were, you were. To be fair, you were. Chrononauts? Oh, that's so good. That sounds like a really shit sci-fi show from the 1980s. <laughs> yeah, a really shit sci-fi show from the 1980s that I would just lap up and watch all of in one sitting. But like a really shit British show from the 1980s where like they've got £5.60 to like spend on the budget for the special <laughs> effects. Coming up this evening on Chrononauts, we try and put the laser beams in the right place. And next, Grandstand. Let's see how the stick did. Wait, that's a different program. What? Um, <laughs> this is two episodes in a row now where we started with like completely digressing from, <laughs> from the start. But I don't even mind. I was advertising this at the uh, open mic night I frequent uh, last week and I did sort of say, oh yeah, we're coming back for a new season. We talk about all this songwriting stuff. We'll warn you though, it took us 10 minutes to start talking about any actual music. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I feel like there's kind of like two schools of thought or like two camps as far as like people who listen to the show go there's the people who go like oh songwriting i'm interested in that i'll give this a shot and they hear us and they go uh never mind <laughs> and then there's the other camp yeah. who are just oh, like Jesus, oh, i, I can't like be what, stuck I like with these, these for ages <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly um 
But as far as songwriting goes, we do have two new songs that each of us have written in the space of a week. Um, mine's in D major. And so is mine. Is it really? Yeah. High five. Oh, my arms aren't long enough. Uh... Yeah, we're going to listen to yours first this <laughs> that week. That was beautiful. That was beautiful just to hear that your brain working that out. <laughs> yeah. I'm real clever, me. Um, I can see the cogs turning and I'm not even in the same room as him. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to listen to, to yours first, Declan. Um, what's it called? And um, yeah, what's it called? Um, it's called... Uh, I know that it's not that bad and it's a bit hippie and it's a bit emotional and it's a bit sentimental uh, but uh, despite that it goes like this When I hit my bed When I start to retreat back into my Said. I will not curse time running away I will not regret the dumb things that I say I will not decide I'd rather have stayed I know that it's not that bad When I lie in rest When I'm extra To bury myself away from the light To go to bed now and lose all my nights I know that it's not that bad The burden of stress passes like clouds Moment of sadness is surely allowed There's poison sustained for too long Now is just stories told I will not regret I'll know I did all I could try Where I will be is where we will provide And a memory is better than a moment denied I know that it's not that bad Done all that's under the sun. As one story ends, yet another has begun. Be the best writer you can. That's Declan's song uh, for our episode 120. Uh, I know that it's not that bad, and it's lovely. It's a really great song. Um, so far, your run's just been solid. I love it. Um, well, two of them have passed the level of acceptable. <laughs> I am so proud. One out of one. <laughs> one out uh, of one. Two <laughs> out of two. No, it's, it's just lovely. I mean, I I think it's. It's simple and understated and emotional and, you know, everything that a good sort of acoustic ballad should be. So And everything that you would not expect to come from my pen. Uh, so <laughs> Well, I was going to, you know, I said when we were listening to it, like, you know, five years ago, Declan wouldn't have written that song. You know, I think, yeah. Sorry, I was finishing off my coffee. Thank you. Um, yeah, this one had a bit of a tortured genesis. 
uh, not like emotionally uh, tortured or anything, or like not even physically tortured. I'm fine. I'm fine. Blink twice if uh, you need help. Um, But what was I going to (laughs) say? So I utterly failed at one of my songwriting goals for this season, which was write the damn thing early. Um, I just completely ran out of time. I've had quite a busy week doing some very, very fun stuff and one or two not very fun things, namely the business of propping up capitalism. Um, Mm. But uh, that left me with Sunday to write the song and I was working. Uh, So I actually, this is actually the third kind of idea that sort of formed on that day. Because I started off, uh, basically we have a lot of shit on the radio at work right now. I'm not going to go into specific artists because they'll be irrelevant by the time that this is put out. Uh, but just... <sighs> and it's stuff we have to play because it's recent and popular. Um, I am an ageing hippie. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the CD that, the CD that uh, I've absolutely loved having on is the disco CD. Uh, oh, right. So- so I started off my shift thinking, you know, uh, just before my shift thinking, you know, I'll see if I can throw a few chords together, see if I can get something cool in disco out of it. And so I mm. came up with this. quite a stressful morning uh, mm. and it was an extremely busy Sunday and we had a lot to do and weren't necessarily that many of us in uh, as well as you have particularly on weekends a load of the shall we say less mentally capable customers coming in <laughs> okay um, and obviously you know uh the fact that they're stressing you out is not their fault, but you can't help but feel angry or, like, wound up. Yeah, Uh, you you resent them to some extent. Yes. And your conscious mind is going like, you you idiot. Why are you getting this angry about something that they cannot help? Uh, You know, and it's only a small interaction in your day, but then the emotional side of your brain takes over and it's just like... Yeah, yeah, but I want to be mad, though. Uh, so I ended up with a second idea, which was much different from the first. It was kind of like based around one chord, uh, diminishing the fifth in that chord, and then doing a load of bends and things, and it sounded something like this. never got any words down for either of them mm. uh i did kind of get a bit of a tune for the second one but it was going to be this very stream of consciousness like not stuck to a tune but like flowing up and down on the emphasis of the words kind of uh, like how disney melodies work where the lyrics dictate the melody to some extent nope exactly oh. <laughs> exactly the opposite more like just speak singing but like speak singing with inflection rather than uh, like a constructed melody that is stuck to and rigid. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I sort of it continued to be a stressful day. Uh, so I was sort of getting myself pumped to write the words for that uh, and finish it off. Uh, and then the thing about Sundays is after the store closes, you're there for an hour most Sundays. When it's all nice and quiet, there's only a few of you in just like repricing things or putting the new releases out and things like that. And all that anger and everything completely dissipated. Hmm. Uh, so I sat on the bus home, uh, think, trying to think of words for this angry song. And it's just like, well, this isn't going to work anymore. I think I see where this is going. Um, and just about 
five minutes after I got on the bus, I sort of just had the thought coming to my head, just like, it's not that bad. It's one mm. day at work. You get to write a song now. Uh, and you've had a chance to meet up with some people recently that you really like hanging out with. And there have been things that have happened to you recently, which, though stressful, have been fun. Yeah. Uh, so stop complaining, you miserable git. <laughs> uh, so I sort of started writing out a load of lyrics. Mm. Uh, got them all out by the time the bus reached my stop. Uh, and I had a rough idea for a tune in my head just because of the way the words flowed. And it was just a case of finding chords that fit. So it's maybe not my most musically adventurous song, uh, and if you listen too closely, uh, you might be able to spot a couple of very distinct phrases uh, that sound suspiciously like other artists, not consciously stolen, but realised after the fact, like, oh, that's why that melody was in my head. Isn't that the worst? I know. When you I finish know. the song and you go, I quite like the song, and you go, oh, no, I've it just sounds, taken... Yeah. It's, it sounds like Banana Rama. Why have I done this to myself? <laughs> Can you reveal like the bits and what they're you know similar to or no i can't remember the songs specifically but there's a few bits of frank turner in there that i've that i can hear Mm. um what else is there in there uh i think there's a bit of a dylan uh passage in there but again i know that i've heard them somewhere but the song isn't revealing them itself to me at the minute mm. uh, which kind of makes sense like because it's very slow and it's very op- like uh acoustic and very small so someone like dylan is not a surprise uh and then the frank turner song that i know that it's similar to it must be one of his slow ones because i can sort of hear it in my head um and again, I shall reiterate, in case any copyright lawyers uh, are listening, not intentional, realised afterwards. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I, I mean, we both hate that feeling. But anyway... I, I, uh, wrote, I wrote this with five hours to go of my deadline, of which about three were usable. So you had your lyrics and you, you got off the bus. What was next? Uh, roughly going through the tune in my head. And seeing where the sentences like naturally fell and lie, and just the rise and fall of words, and working out what a tune would be from that, and then just working out what the chords are. And I always knew that it was in D. Hmm. I knew the first chord was D, uh, and I knew that it uh, went from G to A to D at the end of each verse. Mm. I knew that those two bridge sections start on a 4 to a minor 4, which is G to G minor. That's a minor plagal cadence, a minor 4 that we always talk about. Yes, it's a, it's an overused but favourite trick. Um, so I could hear those bits in my head before I actually picked up a guitar, but the rest of it was just kind of working out what the tune was in terms of notes, like on a guitar fretboard and what chords might transition well to them. Hmm. So when you had your lyrics, like, I'm guessing you either, like, wrote down your notes in in your notes in your phone or, like, on a, a book or something. Did you, um... Were you kind of, like, quietly humming to yourself or did you just have, like, the rhythm of the words in your head to which you would uh, then put melody, or...? I was on a crowded bus, so I was not humming to myself. Um... <laughs> Uh, no, I just heard the tune in my head or like where the tune would go up and down, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I knew, for example, like the first bit would be do 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 or do 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 do, but I knew it would come back to where it started and then the next bit would have to rise and lower from that, mm. which the final tune does like do 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 do. So like not, those ex- not those exact notes, but like where they rise and fall. 
I suppose like with your musical knowledge of like which chords are in your palette that you will use, like I suppose you kind of knew that sort of G A D that four five one would be quite easy to sort of work out on the guitar, right? It's more just I knew this is probably going to be a soft acoustic song. I know it's probably going to be a simple soft acoustic song, so I know <laughs> I know to resolve that G A and D will work. <laughs> Like, right, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I can employ this specific chord sequence to employ to, you know, uh, have this function. It's fine. Yeah, four, five, and one aren't really ever going to steer you wrong. <laughs> no, like it may not be the most. Like I said, it may not be the most original thing I've done chord wise. It's pretty much all uh, in D major, apart from that G minor. Mm. Uh, but you know. It's not really a song that's crying out for loads of complicated sections. Well, like... I, I will just say it at this juncture, like that's one of the things I wanted to say, and I feel it's a good moment to say it, is that when I first heard it, I found the song really touching and really like moving. But one thing I think, like one decision I think you made, which was just awesome, was that you you could have put in loads of, you know, F-sharp sevens and, you know... Borrowed chords from other scales and stuff, and made it all kind of like too clever, you know. But I think the fact that the song is understated, and I think the word you use is, is beautiful, small. I think that really lends itself to the song. So I think kudos for like, you know, not overcooking it. I guess. Well, thank you. But if I had put in a load of um, like fancy chords and everything, it would have just gone against the tone of the lyrics. Hmm. Like. Uh, like I often come up with music first and words to fit them, mm. so it's kind of weird reverse engineering that. Like I know, for example, the angry song demo that I was talking about. Like I knew a lot of those words going to be roll on, repeated sentences. Uh, like times when you hit, it's almost oddly enough, almost a little bit like uh, rap <laughs> in its own way. Uh, not rap. I will uh, nervous say by nature. <laughs> I am not a rapper. At Album all. coming but soon. Like, but like a load of the rhythmic tricks, de- uh, like deployed within rap, mm. but then put over, which is just basically a B, a B uh, with the flat five and a load of bends. Um, <laughs> but it's kind of like I don't do songs this way around often, but it's interesting that it worked quite well on this one and that my normal method like informs the tone of the words whereas this time the words inform the tone of the chords and the music and the tune that is interesting i think you know you and i both of us we don't tend to do it that way around often so i'm always interested as to how that works because it still seems like a foreign idea to me but it worked really well here because you could do like an angry set of lyrics and try and do it ironically but it just wouldn't be as nice like you can fuck yourself off you can go and jump into a deep lake or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It just, it, it, like, unless you're going for, like, comedy, that mm. kind of dissonance between the words and the music doesn't really uh, fit. This coming from a person who likes saying, like, the way you do angry songs is you make a happy song and you change the lyrics. But I feel in that approach there's always, like, this energy driving the whole thing. It's difficult to do an angry like acoustic a happy, song. A happy uh, an angry slow song. Yeah, absolutely. There's one which comes to mind which um I'll have to send you later because it's really good. It's uh Aaron Freeman. He's one half of Ween and he did this song called uh oh, what's it called? Uh, <laughs> insert here. I'll send you a clip. <laughs> yeah, I'm down with the brown. We in the bathroom. Let's be super cool You got a little bit left What a special thing I'm your trophy boy Get the fuck out my face Cause you will go home satisfied I'll be blacked out for the night 
thing I tend to find with angry slow songs is more often than not, they're not necessarily angry. Uh, they're resigned. And I think a lot of this is to do with the tone of vocal that you use because you can do slow songs with a powerful vocal and that's angry. Mm. But just with the tone of voice that this song kind of demands, like if you try to be negative, you sound resigned and like you're giving up or like the problem, whatever it is, is not worth fixing. And I guess like from the sounds of your Sunday, like it wouldn't have been organic and emotionally natural for you to write something angry when actually on that bus you were at that moment where you're like, it's not that bad. Like that sounded like you had a moment of like reflection, you know? Yeah. If I'd fin- if I'd had like another hour to finish the song at lunchtime, I would be here with the angry song <laughs> because that's, because that's where I was in that moment. But by the time I did actually have a little bit of time, to finish everything off like that had passed mm. I, it also helps that I've been listening to a lot of George Harrison recently and like trying to learn all things must pass <laughs> so I was like very much in that zen hippie like uh, you know the, the the burden of stress it passes like clouds yeah right right yes yeah, and a moment's it. anger is surely allowed but it's a poison if sustained for too long so don't do that my lad don't do that <laughs> Yeah, it's very much that sort of like Zen, like, yeah, all things must pass, you know, roll with it sort of thing. (laughs) Hmm. Which is kind of how I try to think about uh, negative thoughts and feelings and emotions. It's fine to let it out once in a while, but like in the long term, like unless it has actual repercussion on human life, it's normally not worth getting that worked up about. Mm-hmm. Like, like if, say, for example, you were upset about how the Star Wars films ended, the most recent set of Star Wars films, like, fine, you can get a little bit angry, you can have your jokes and everything, but, like, to get properly pissed or, like, properly enraged about it, something mm-hmm. so trivial is just meaningless. I there totally are, agree. It's like there, you're you're only ruining your own day at a certain point. Yeah, which is something that I've been meaning to write a song about for ages is that if I get into a situation like that, my mind, I call it stewing, where it just Mm. sort of simmers in its own negative thoughts and it keeps replaying the cycle over and over again. Mm. It's just like, no, I am just deliberately winding myself up now. (laughs) I need need to go on a nice long walk and forget the fuck about it. Uh, (laughs) I'm laughing because I can relate so much. It's that feeling of like, you have an emotional reaction to something, but there's a part of you that can see the situation with a little bit more distance and you go, ah, this is ruining my day and I don't want my day to be ruined by something so small and insignificant. What can I do about this? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This interaction lasted less than a minute or like, you know, this problem was beyond anyone's control. There's no use getting angry about it and it didn't result in like any significant like harm to anyone. So just... Like, just take a walk. Like, watch how, a film. How long are you gonna like listen to an album, read a book, do like, something? How long are you gonna kind of like let this stew in you? It's like there's this great um, Zen Buddhist story which I, I really like of this um, master and his student walking along through the forest, and the master and the student they find this this woman and uh, and she needs to get across this lake and uh, it's against their principles to you know. Uh, talk to a woman, let alone touch her. But the master picks up this woman and walks across the lake with her. And the students looking at him, you know, shocked, you know, how could he do this? What kind of monk is this? And they get across the, the river and um, and the monk puts her down dry and she goes off on her way. And then the student says to the master, he says, uh, you know, he, he stews in this all day long. And later on, he says, how could you do that? And the master says to him, he says, I put down uh I put down that woman hours ago and you're still carrying her. <laughs> I like that. Good enough. Yeah. But I think that's about I like that story a lot, but I think that's all about all I have to say on that song before we get too much into the uh <laughs> like <laughs> the psychology philosophy side of things. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to go too far off with that. I just thought it was no, no, relevant. that's fine. I, I enjoyed that. It was relevant, but like we are getting very much into like uh like okay, let's have our psychiatry session now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Um, I did have one one question about your song though, uh, which was um, it seems so complete as is. What would you do if you were to develop this, or would you just kind of like keep it like this? If I was to do anything else with it, it'd just be record it nicer. Right, right. Maybe, maybe finesse what the guitar part is doing because a lot of it is just like vamping up and down chords, but mm. like with no specific pattern. Uh, the way I recorded it this time was just I recorded the guitar part and I put the uh, vocal on afterwards, but it led to a couple of timing issues because I didn't do it to a click track. Uh, so yeah, it'd probably be a live performance of it next time, but like recorded really nicely. Um, that's if I do anything with it. Uh, gonna perform it at an open mic and sort of see if anyone shouts out. You stole that from Bruce Brewstein. <laughs> yes. You stole that from Paul Simon. <laughs> Some guy you stole with, that from Joni Mitchell. <laughs> you have lawyers on the back who want to talk to you after your set. <laughs> you use the notes A, A and A flat, and they're known by Disney. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, because you're playing all of your songs at an open mic now, aren't you? Yeah, which As is why I thought the angry count. one, with, the angry one, I thought was going to be brilliant for that nice and high energy. But no, this one's going to like send everyone to sleep. Like, just, <laughs> <laughs> no, just I like, think... nice high energy. Hi, this is what I do, and now we're asleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you'll have lighters in the air. You know that kind of uh, that kind of atmosphere. <laughs> I hope not. It's a very low ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> People tend to like you know gas in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I really like this week's um again this is one I'm gonna be revisiting and listening to, I think. So yeah, well Thank done. You. Nice one. Thank you. You're too kind. Your song Yeah, so uh my song this week is called Down for the Count. And uh it goes like this. One, two, three, four.
So that was Roger's uh, song for this week, Down for the Count. I don't think that one's down for the count. I think that one is brilliant. Uh, I've gone very slightly radio announcer and also closer <laughs> to the mic. Um, but uh, you're listening to K Rock HFM. <laughs> you're you're listening to the Weekly Song Podcast. Broadcasting now, we have an interview with Roger Hevers. As we welcome into the studio, Roger, how are you doing, bud? Oh, man, I've been on a bender all night, dude. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. So have I. It's just I've been doing enough drugs uh, to stun a mule, so you can't fucking tell. Uh, where did the idea for this one come? I'm going to drop this voice now. <laughs> We've just lost all our American subscribers. <laughs> Unsubscribe. Unsubscribe. We are getting turbo cancelled in America. <laughs> um, so the idea came from um, ba- basically I had the same thing as you, where I thought this song is in D, um, but that happened quite late in the week. So like you, I wrote this on Sunday, um, and I had the best intentions of going. I'm going to write in the weekdays, Tuesday or Wednesday, and it didn't end up happening but it was optimistic of us to say let's write early this season wasn't it we were we were bold and brave boys uh who who were foolish yeah exactly but i feel like we can slightly you know redeem ourselves by saying we both tried to write in the week we gave it a fair crack and that's all that anyone can ask of us other than to complete the tasks that we set ourselves (laughs) but that's pure that's so unreasonable of people to expect that um, but yeah, so I came up with this one idea on Tuesday, which sounded uh, like this. Perhaps I'm losing touch. Um, Holy shit, that was amazing! Why didn't you? Why didn't you like uh, follow that? Like, you you could be world famous by now. You could be number one in the charts. You could own a small country if you release this song. Said Declan, definitely having heard the song and not. <laughs> um, well, if that's your interpolation of like uh, Little Miss Muffet or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm gonna look like such an idiot. Um, but I mean, like with with that with that little clip that I came up with on Tuesday, I did try and develop it because like I liked the riff, but it was just a riff. It's like, did you ever get that? Where like it reminds me of that thing where John Lennon said to George Harrison, like, my main tip for you is when you write a song, finish it, because otherwise it'd be difficult to come back to. Like I left it, you know. Mm. I've definitely found this to be true. Uh, sadly, writing songs piecemeal is kind of essential when you're also working. Um, but <laughs> mm. no, fair, fair. Um, no, it was kind of my problem too, actually. But um, so anyway, um, I've been trying this thing as well recently, where like I'll write for twenty minutes. I've literally like been setting a timer for the past couple of weeks when I write um, for twenty minutes, and if I don't come up with anything like a real substance of that time, I'll just drop it and I'll come back, you know, the next day. And I tried this with that little riff um, and I just couldn't get anything. So I thought, yeah, I'll take a couple of days off. And then on Sunday, I sat down with the guitar and um, I sat sat down with this tiny little blue nylon guitar I've got. It's like not even half size. It's smaller than that, but it's really, it actually plays really nicely. And And it's blue. It's blue and sparkly. Um, And It's sparkly? It's yeah, it's blue sparkly. It's so holy cool. shit! I need this. Um, I have actually seen this guitar. I am playing up my reaction from the microphone, but like, uh, it's blue and sparkly. <laughs> um, yeah, like David Bowie. I think it was like five pounds. It was so cheap. You're a frugal David Bowie. <laughs> um, but, Episode title. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so the the song has three sections and the first section I came up with was one of those lovely things where you sit down with a guitar and one of the first things you play you go that is something that's the beginning of that's some seed of, a, of an idea and the beginning was this it was uh, B minor F sharp 7 G E minor A which sounded like this when I played it And uh, like as you can hear, that that's already kind of got like, like almost like a snare drum it's beat like ni- implied. 
it's ninety percent of the way there in terms of like, yep, this is the feel. You can tell how it's going to be produced. You know roughly what kind of vocal, if not necessarily the notes, uh, will be on top of this. Yeah, it's nice exactly. when you have that moment of like, okay, I have a really clear idea of how to proceed with this small section. Definitely. Yeah, it's so cool when like the first idea you have contains that data of like, okay, this is the BPM. Yeah, like you say, all that stuff, just like, okay, I've got like an idea of where this is headed. Um, and then I was thinking, okay, so I've got that guitar part. What should I do vocally? And on, I think, Thursday or Friday, we've spoken about um, Andrea Stolt before. Um, you remember? She's yes. like a songwriting uh, coach and a fantastic musician. She does these um, Instagram and TikTok videos of like just like 30 second or a minute um, songwriting tips. And she was talking about how to kind of bring breathe new life into a song. One thing you can try is rather than kind of like having your vocals be kind of like nonstop, she said, really leave some gaps kind of like you know, speak in small syllables and then leave a gap like a bar or something and then come back can create some more, you know, power in the song. So I thought I'll, I'll give that a go because I, I usually kind of pack my words quite densely. This kind of reminds me of something uh, Roger Waters said about like uh, on one of uh, that uh, classic albums documentary about Dark Side of the Moon. They're talking about us and them, like uh, like just how much space they were not afraid to leave. Because if you take away the echo, that song is just us and them. Mm. It, it, and yeah, uh... <laughs> it, it has more. It has such an impact, doesn't it? I think a, a big part of of playing music in general is is embracing si- silence. I remember actually in school when I was like fifteen or something, I I took you know music as an as a GCSE option, and um. They were one of the first things they did on the first lesson was they covered like the main important elements of music and they were like rhythm, melody, harmony, silence. I was like silence, and I, it took me years to even like begin to understand why silence is important. Well, I mean, silence is golden, but but my eyes still see. Exactly, silence is golden, golden. <laughs> Copyright um, lawyers are going to be all over this one. Oh man. We're going to be cancelled in so many ways. Oh, dear. We uh, said cancelled so much, literally twice, that it's lost all meaning. <laughs> uh, so I, I thought, yeah, having those like small rhythmic vocal things would be good. Um, and so basically what I did is I kind of just went through and scattered some lyrics. And so I kind of had like a, a second section. Like I said, there's three sections. The first section is that B minor section I just played. And then the second section is really similar rhythmically in terms of the length of it like pretty much identical but it goes to the relative major key so so the intro is in b minor and the verse um the intro slash chorus i should say because it comes back you see um the verse is in d major which it's is like poetry major. it rhymes they all rhyme it all rhymes it all rhymes and uh yeah so the the verse goes d d major seven d seven g E7A. And for any guitarists listening, uh, we all know that thing of like playing the D chord and moving it slightly. In many ways, you can kind of go. Or you can do the thing where you just go down, which is what I did, where you go D, D major 7, D7, which is just moving, you know, the note down by semitone. And then you go to your G, and then E7, A. Which brings you back into the chorus. It's very something, isn't it? Very much so, yeah. In fact, it's, it's that thing you said last week, isn't it? It's that something chord change. You, in fact, you did exactly the same last week. Yes. We totally don't rip all our ideas from other songs and or George Harrison. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Pra- praise be to George. We, we've referenced him twice so far. Um, That's because he's the best Beatle. And you won't, you won't change my mind. He is the best Beatle. <laughs> um, and then my my third section was super simple. Um, I'm kind of going out of order here, but just um, it's just G and A. It's just G G G G G G G A A A A A A A, and then back into the verse. Nice. And uh, like, yeah, it sounds much more complicated than it actually is if that makes sense and i mean this is a compliment like uh 
like it, it it sort of once you got the vocal on there and you got the different because uh, there are different sections and like uh, uh different tempos of playing it it sounds like it's got a lot more moving parts mm. than are actually in there it's a nice illusion that you created there Thank you. You had to destroy for us on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Pull it all apart. No, thank you. I I think some of that comes down to the structure because it's like a little bit of a weird structure with this one. So you've got like the intro is the same as the chorus and then the verse is the same as the instrumental break. Um, You know, the da-da-da-da-da-da, that whole part. Um, But interestingly... um, there's as many verses as I would normally write, if not one more, actually. But after every chorus, you go into an instrumental break, which is the same as the verse chords. But then it comes back in about three quarters of the way through the verse progression on the E7, which allows you to do the whole thing of like, and one day when I'm alone, which leads you into the whole GA part. That's what you get when you're linear behind. So you're kind of like utilising different start points to sort of trick people into thinking that the chord sequences are different, but you're actually just like shifting them along like a bar or two. Yeah, exactly. Just like recycling, basically. Um, He's very uh, ecologically good with all of his songs, is our Roger? No, definitely. You know, I'm not going to waste chords. You know, we've got to save the planet. Um, Yes. And if we can do that through the power of song then I don't know what all the ecologists and environmentalists have been playing at for years. They should have just written some banging tunes. Um, yeah, exactly. That's the only time I should ever use the phrase banging tunes. Back to the songs, Roger. <laughs> you said banging tunes and bop so far this episode. Uh, I said bops off air. <laughs> no one needed to know this. <laughs> I'm sorry, actually, I just shared your dirty secret. <laughs> you um, can't share the fact that I use modern slang. I've got to pretend like I actually come from the Victorian era, or at least <laughs> it's the 1960s. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, I had this this funny accident with this song, which I, I, I really tried to embrace, which was... Um, the verses, like I said, are in the relative major, D major, and they're quite like happy and upbeat, but not only the sounding, but like the lyrics talking about being happy. And then I realized mm. that as I went into the verses, uh, sorry, into the choruses, I changed the lyric and I changed the key to the relative minor. And I go, and then I'm alone. And then it gets dark, both melodically and lyrically. So I thought I'll try and like keep that momentum going. That's nice. I hadn't quite clocked that, but that's nice. I mean, like, the, the, uh, tonal shift and the emotional shift happen on the same moment rather than one like foreshadowing tother well don't you find like with songwriting so many moments that you kind of recognize as like oh that was a cool thing are like complete accidents that you later recognize and kind of like take credit for (laughs) well it's an accident the first time once you've worked Mm. out you can do it you can then apply it more uh discreetly shall we say or more uh like controlled but like, there's a joyous fun to discovering a trick the first time and going like, ooh, mm. let's see how far I can push this. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it reminds me of that thing of like, the more you practice the art, the more the art reveals itself to you. And it's like that's, it's like that with songwriting. You go, oh my God, what was that chord? I'm using that it, forever now. <laughs> and you start hearing it in other songs as well. It's just like, why has this always been here? I thought I've made some important discovery, but quite clearly I have not. <laughs> I won't I won't be doing with it. <laughs> Songwriting's so cool like that because it's like it completely takes away the big headedness or like ego of a craft. You know what I mean? Because like you go, Oh, I wrote this song with this cool change and then like you said, you discover that like, oh shit, I'm hearing it in like Beatles songs now. I'm here again Todd Rundgren songs, ABBA songs, whatever it is. And you go, none of us came up with these changes, really. It's just that we discovered them. So it's like you can't take credit for anything, which I think is a really nice thing. The artifacts of a system that we arbitrarily agreed that we were all going to (laughs) use. So they've kind of, as soon as we all agreed that, they've always existed. It's just the fact that people come to them in different ways. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we're all just using the same 12 notes in Western music anyway. Mm. And even then, they're a bit of a fudge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but with that sort of like um, emotional and tonal shift, I thought I'd sort of embrace that and make it what the song was about. And um, what the song is essentially about is 
Um, it's quite it's funny how we kind of are in sync with these things sometimes. The song's basically about, you know, strolling along through your day and being in a fine mood. You know, the birds are singing and everything and you're feeling good. And then someone says something to you and it topples your emotional apple cart and you you pissed off for the rest of the day. And Topples your emotional apple cart might be a good title. <laughs> yes. Well, we've got a few options now. But, like, yeah. it's just that feeling of, like, yeah, just, uh, like, being annoyed but being saddened and annoyed that you are annoyed by such a small and insignificant thing. And so, so the thing of like, I was having such a nice day. Why couldn't we have continued doing that? Exactly. Yeah. And you just kind of the, the gear shift happens and then you're, you're off. And so that's kind of like it's all in the first verse, really. It's like, um, you know, at one time I could be open as calm as an ocean, as bright as a day. And then a light breeze can topple me over and then I'm alone, you know, and taken away. I'm an island and all these different things. And it's it's that feeling. And it's funny, actually, the recording of the demo itself was a, was a fantastic example of this because I I was pleased with the song. I had the, like, you know, the dictaphone demo from the night before, you know, just kind of recording the rough, you know, chords and lyrics of the song. And then I sat down to record it and I I really got into it. You know, I, I was recording for like sort of half an hour, 45 minutes, and then I was kind of done with the core tracks and then I started doing the harmonies and I was kind of really going for it, you know. And it was just the middle of the day, and I got a knock on the door, and somebody said, "said you know, can you keep it down? You know, uh, you know, it's been going on quite a while," which is a fair comment. And that comment, because I was in my stride, you know, completely knocked over my emotional apricot, so to speak. And mm. like the experience of recording the song is basically what the song's about, and it's like that stuff shouldn't get to us so much, but it does. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's because of that thing, like when. Particularly when it becomes involved with like whatever creative craft that you do, uh, someone says, "Could you stop this, please?" Even if it's for a completely reasonable reason, mm. because you're creating something, or like to perform in any capacity is sort of reveal at least a little bit of yourself emotionally. That you suddenly think, "Well, hang on, I open myself up here to sort of like do this thing," and you've told me no. Like, could you, could you could you maybe not be quite so hurtful in the metaphysical implications of what you're asking me to do? please <laughs> yes yes <laughs> exactly exactly have you not considered this on a philosophical uh, philosophical scale <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are you not aware of how much you are like unvibing my zen right now it's so true and that th- you're totally right that there, there is a thing to that especially like i don't know have you ever like listened to music loudly or something yes like, i have I, ha- I have listened to music that is a thing i've done quite a lot and like you're, um, you're dancing and singing along and you're really like getting into it and then someone goes keep it down and then that in that moment you just sort of you just kind of like shrivel up a little bit because you're like oh my god not only am i being told that but they saw me being myself in the most open and vulnerable way and it's like that with recording too <laughs> It's like, I have been seen, I must curl up and hide and not be seen again until the end of time. How long till the heat death of the universe? <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, man. But, um, I mean, to wrap up on this one, um, one last thing I'll say is that um, with the lyrics, like I say, I kind of had like a theme and I knew what they'd be about. But what I did with the dictaphone demo, like I say... By the way, I bought a dictaphone. It's the best thing I've done for my songwriting in ages. It's so good. Um, anyway. Um, I... You heard it here first, uh, folks. If you want to improve your songwriting, support capitalism. <laughs> well, when I did my, my dictaphone demo, like verses two and three were like half written, but then some of the stuff was like scattered or mumbled or just kind of like mouth sounds along with the chords. And then I sat down, listened to the dictaphone demo, and I actually found that so- like a lot of the mumbled lyrics sounded like something in my head you know what i mean and like then i could write down what that lyric was and it fit the song which i thought was a really strange experience have you ever had that before what like uh hearing back uh a scattered recording and then thinking there's a line there i can hear it yeah yeah that's basically how i write songs it's a good it's a, it's a cool method isn't it but it's almost like begs like there must be like something in your brain that kind of knew what you wanted to write about in a way i mean i don't mean to sound too woolly but yes and no like yes there are certain lines that i 
you might have if you're scatting that way. But it's also kind of to do with, like, when you're constructing language in terms of art, you're not necessarily constructing language uh, based on literal meaning alone. You are constructing language based around the actual sounds of the word themselves and how pleasant or otherwise it is and how well it fits into that pattern. Mm. Uh, like, this is not unique to songwriting or poetry. This is, like, even in, like, a, if you were to write a book or you were to write a screenplay for a film, like, uh, like uh, I shall wait five minutes and then I shall find you, or I'll come along in a minute. They <laughs> both mean the same thing, mm. broadly speaking. But they give off two very... A, they sort of flow very differently, but they have two very different characteristics, sets of characteristics applied to those sentences. And the trouble with songwriting is that you then have to match that up with tonality. (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. Tonality and syllable count as well. Yes. Like, as well as having to find the correct sentence, uh, normally you're also trying to have to, like, match syllable counts and emphasis uh, that are inbuilt to music that you wouldn't, that means you end up with, like, some really weird phrasings of sentences. Uh, like, uh, for example, in my one this week, I think there's, when, when of extra hours, I'm only, uh, like, supplied or something like that. Mm. No one would ever, ever say that. <laughs> but it works for the song. I totally understand. <laughs> yeah. It just flows right in that moment. Definitely. And uh, a couple of things come to mind speaking about that. One is that with the syllable count thing, like, for example, my verse three, and maybe I don't want to find out, like, that has, like, a certain, like, the smooth edges to all of that. It kind of works, right? Whereas, like, you could have mm. the same syllable count and say, I don't know, something like a bowl of Cocoa Pops and milk. And, like, it's the same syllables, but it's so clunky, you know? And because of where the emphasis fit, feels on... Uh, falls on the tune it's falling on that and yes yes exactly so you've got to to be careful but obviously yeah and with the literal meaning of like cocoa pops and milk you'd expect them to go together but the way that the emphasis falls on and makes it sound like it's something weird and things that wouldn't go uh together like um it might work for example if we had i'll have some cocoa pops and wine yes it's like one word can change it yeah because then that makes more sense, like, rhythmically and timbrally, but then also that's a very weird literal meaning that you've got there, so, like, <laughs> deploy deploy with care. Definitely. Um, but I love that thing of, like, like you were saying with your lyric, like, allowing yourself to be a bit more, like, sort of abstract or, like, phrasing or having a certain syntax or something, which you wouldn't speak, like, in a normal conversation because I think not only does it allow you to write more fluidly, but also I don't know, I've always found songwriting to be such a a lovely thing in that you can express yourself in a way that kind of, like, gets more out and you kind of get to put on a bit, you know you wouldn't talk like that in real life and I love that I have an element, an aspect of my life where I can talk like that I think there's something really liberating about that, don't you? Yes, and it also happens on, like, big songs as well the big example that comes to mind is the song Fernando by ABBA, there's that line in it since many years I haven't seen a rifle in your hand Mm, mm. flows really, really nicely but if you were to say that to someone, they'd go (laughs) Have you forgotten how tenses and verbs work, mate? <laughs> you're, you're like you're learning Since, English for the first time. Because you would say that the other way around. Since I haven't seen a rifle in your hand for many years, or something. Mm. Or, or since for many years I haven't seen a rifle in your hand. Rather, since many years I haven't seen a rifle in your hand. It's it's weird, isn't it? And sometimes you can change like the whole tense of, you know, a sentence and stuff, and that's the way the lyric comes out. Um, it's a, lyric writing is a really interesting thing because, like we've said before, like we're not poets by any stretch, um, but we like putting words to music. And I think after you do it for a certain time, you kind of get your own style and you sort of like realize what type of things you like to talk about and in what way you like to talk about them. And mm. that's a fun that's a fun process to to discover about yourself. I think, particularly if you're not like poetically minded, I never was really. No, I'm still not. But, like, it it also has this weird thing of, like, it feeds back into 
like when you have to try and persuade people or like make convincing arguments and you start to think more about word choice. How do you mean? Like, well, like say for example, uh, like um, say for, I had an example recently. I'm not going to mention names, but like someone was running an event and this other person was like having an argument and causing them a bit of aggro. There was someone uh, around who was sort of essentially going to try and step in and sort of, like, physically try and help in that situation, despite the fact there was no physical thing going on. Mm. So, like, pulling them aside, I ended up saying something along the lines of, mate, you don't need to do this. That person is all right. They are fine. They know what they're doing. But you could have quite... And that seemed to work. But, like, you quite easily could have gone, like mate, don't do that, you're just going to fuck things up. Huh. And that's the wrong word choice in that situation, or at least with this particular person. Absolutely, yeah, it's that slight change. It's like... They, a, mean the same, they mean the same thing, but they've got different connotations applied to them. I love that, that's a really good point. It kind of reminds me of like the type of um, psychological advice that um, therapists give quite often when you're dealing with confrontation or setting boundaries you talk about yourself and you use I statements rather than you statements. You know, you can address the same topic saying, you know, you know, you want more time for yourself. You can go, I feel like I need more time for myself and I would like, you know, blah, 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 rather than saying, you never rather give me than, enough time and you, you know, you doing this, you know. One sounds like a request, the other sounds like an accusation. Absolutely. And, and they both contain the same personal requirement. So, yeah, language is weird like that, isn't it? Uh, so thank you for tuning into the weekly linguistic podcast. Uh, <laughs> I mean, words are a funny thing. I mean, we can talk about chords all day long, but I feel like words are this sort of area we sort of skirt around sometimes, and for good reason, because like, we're not... It's linguists. like we have to know a little bit about this, but at the same time, we are in no way experts, and anyone who is a linguist or a poet or a writer or anything who's listening to this is just going like... Dudes, you're only just discovering this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I feel like the songwriter, as like in general, like has such a strange relationship with words, unless they like write other stuff. Or maybe it's just me. I don't know. It's there are so many lyricists out there. Like we were talking about last week, where they just like hit the nail on the head in terms of their metaphors and stuff. And like, I wish I could do that more often. I wish it was easier. <laughs> I know, right? But then it wouldn't be as much fun when you get it right. Definitely, definitely. So that's it for this episode of the Weekly Song Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you would like to send in your thoughts on what we have discussed and whether we are, in fact, being pretentious bastards, <laughs> if you have maybe been a pretentious bastard yourself and written a song that you would like uh, to be heard on the podcast, uh, and then we could be pretentious bastards about it, or whether you think that I've maybe just said the words pretentious bastard too much in this uh, end segment and I risk putting up our uh, uh, rude language rating, whatever it is, um, then why not write in to weeklysongpodcast at gmail.com, you pretentious bastard. Uh, Roger, where can they find you in your music on the internet? You pretentious bastard. <laughs> um, um, well, um, Spotify, Apple Music, all those streaming places uh just search for roger heathers i've got um a new ep out called y2k so check that out and i want it's only about 21 years too late on that one but we'll let it slide <laughs> i only just heard about it what a headline he's just watched that simpsons episode where it all goes wrong <laughs> yeah um I wa- only, we only just got it in williston <laughs> um i wanted to say thanks as well to everyone who's listened to it quite a lot of people from like who listened to the podcast have messaged me and said they've listened to it and liked it. So thanks a lot. Um, also Instagram at Roger Heathers, if you don't follow me already. Um, yeah, um, that's about it. How about you, Declan? Where can people find you and your music? Nowhere! I joke. Um, I kid, you I can kid. Find... I kid, I kid. Where you get some mad? It's only oh, good. Um, uh, so you can find my music on Spotify, iTunes, um, Bandcamp, Deezer, um, in the radio waves in the air I don't know it might be there who knows um, you can also find uh, some covers that I have done on YouTube if you search Declan Kitchen of Music and if you search Declan Kitchen of Music on Facebook you'll find my page uh, where I occasionally post one or two things 
not many things, but occasionally I post one or two things there. And I am on Instagram as well, uh, at Camborner, C-A-M-B-O-R-N-E-R. Uh, I once had someone try and tell me there was a U in Camborn. Uh, <laughs> they were wrong. How do I know this? It's because I'm where I'm from. Um, They're dead now. They, yeah, so I had them taken care of. Uh, thank you for helping with the budget, by the way, Roger. You were really quite helpful in that. Oh, uh, any time. Yeah. And sorry you had to stay overnight in the cells. Um, it was worth but, it. I mean, I mean, the 20 quid is on your way, so... <laughs> I look forward to spending it. <laughs> on penny <Might> chews. Buy... <laughs> I'll buy myself a nice capo with that one. <laughs> right. We shall um, be back uh, next week uh, getting rid of more body. I mean, I'm writing more songs. Uh, and yes, in- indeed we will. I-, I don't know why I've gone slightly higher energy, um, but I have. And this is a state that I now have to live in, this slightly nervous state, up until uh, the time we resume recording next week. So, dear listener, <laughs> please imagine me in this nervous state for about a week because you won't be far off the truth. Um, Ta-ra, then. (laughs) (laughs) Ta-ra.